When did exercise become something that we had to do or was a form of punishment? It's an obligation. Like, when did we lose the ability to just play? I have two boys, one is six and one is eight. And most Saturdays when we're home, we go as a family to the gym. My husband and I work out together while the kids go to the kid care. What's really fun is after we're done with the workout, we go get the kids and they run out on the gym floor. It's in between classes, so they're, they're allowed and then they're not in danger. <laughs> but they find anything they can in the gym to play on. They grab the rings and they start swinging from the rings. If the ropes are down, they try to climb up the rope. They can't make it you know, higher than like an inch, but <laughs> they sure do try. They try to do pull-ups. They try to jump on the box jumps. And I'll tell you, everything about what they're doing is uncoordinated and wonky, <laughs> but they're so fun to watch. And it is such a healthy reminder to me that at one point, movement and exercise was play and an exploration of what my body was capable of. That is exactly what my boys are doing when they come out on that gym floor. Over time, we lose this ability to be curious when we move and it turns into a expectation. We sit in the judgment seat and we feel like we're never enough. So I'm really excited to carry on this conversation with one of my good friends, Kim Payne. She is currently a doctoral student getting her PhD and I cannot wait to call her Dr. Payne. But we are continuing this conversation on how to build your own biofeedback around exercise so you can not only make peace with movement and the exercise you choose to do, but actually enjoy it. I want to help you guys return to that childlike play where we can see movement as an opportunity to explore what our body is capable of. Welcome to the Fuel Her Awesome Show, friends, where we dig into nutrition deeds that are actually helpful and we learn to be nicer to ourselves. I mean, think about it. Those things you say about your body, would you ever say them to your friend? I don't think so. <laughs> I am so glad you are here. I'm Jess, registered dietitian, juggling mama, work, and wife life amidst all the things. I used to spend an insane amount of energy hating on my body and lost in nutrition, but now I have way too much on my plate. I cannot afford to mistreat my body. And because I have a history of struggling with food, I know I have to be careful with how I approach my health goals. This is why I'm so passionate about empowered eating. Sister, in case you haven't heard it today, you are awesome. And I have resources for you beyond this podcast. Check out JessBrownRD.com and take my body confidence workshop totally free. All right, grab a cup of coffee or two <laughs> and let's fuel your awesome with empowered eating. Well, what's up, Kim? Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Now, you were back on the show, I think, was it fall, October? It was probably around October, November, right when I was diving into this new research project. Yes, I loved it. So we had an awesome conversation about how to connect biofeedback to your exercise. So for those that didn't miss, or they missed your interview, tell us a little bit about your background and the research you've been doing. So I'm currently a doctoral student in my second year. So part of my research is linked up to that. And my history career-wise is really rooted in eating disorder treatment. Um, and then I also have a master's degree in applied sports psychology. So I'm really interested in exercise and how that fits in our lives and how people who do exercise have mental health issues and how we address that. Um, so really linking all those things together, I really wanted to look at the way that exercise during eating disorder treatment specifically impacts our ability to respond and listen to our body. That's so cool. Yeah, you and I have such fun conversations because we've both kind of taken similar paths. Like we both entered into the career field treating eating disorders. Yeah. And then over time we were like, 
wait, there's a lot of this overlap with eating disorders and sports. And then we kind of veered off and went more the sports route. And now we're really getting to pull it all together, which is super interesting. Which brings me to my next question before we actually dive into the results of your research. Why are you so interested in this? I think it's fascinating working with eating disorders, and we focus a lot on food and how you're responding to your body based on when you're hungry and when you're full, but that's only one piece of the picture, and I really think that we haven't looked at in depth the relationship between movement and how we respond to our body, Um, and so there's a lot of research already that shows that people who move and engage in exercise have increased interoceptive awareness um, or biofeedback, our ability to listen to our body's cues, than people who do not exercise. Um, And this helps too with mental health issues, is there's research about how exercise helps PTSD and depression and anxiety. And it's a little taboo to talk about in eating disorder treatment because oftentimes providers look at it as another behavior. Um, So my mindset is really like, it's part of your life, it's part of what you do, you move around. We want people to move around to feel better, so looking at how we can use it as a tool rather than as something that's destructive to somebody. I love that. Yeah, you're right. Food is a piece of the puzzle, but exercise is this whole other layer. And what I love about the conversation you're having is like, we don't want to take exercise off the table, which is what, at least in my original training in becoming an eating disorder specialist, it was like exercise was off the table and that was something, but I, you know, and this is what I want to ask you. So we live in this world that pushes exercise, but then all of a sudden it pushes it to this point that's unhealthy and obsessive. And so we've taken it as like, okay, well, we need a break from exercise or too much exercise is a bad thing. So I love that your research is trying to bridge this gap of like, well, how do we have a healthy relationship with exercise? Right, and choosing a population like eating disorders has a huge stigma around obsession and exercise, and I think this applies to everybody. It's just how we view exercise and the way we engage in exercise really influences its benefits to us. Oh, I totally agree, because you don't have to have an eating disorder or even a history of it to come to this place where exercise feels like an obligation or even a punishment. Like, people who have no issues with food can have issues with exercise and movement. Right, and it can be in these extremes, right, of this obsessive idea or obsessive relationship with exercise where it has to be a certain way and at a certain time and they have to be able to get a certain result or even exercise avoidance, which we see in a lot of people. Um, We see that in the subtype of eating disorders. Very clearly, we see that. But this applies to all human beings, as their relationship with exercise is pretty evident in their daily functioning. Yeah, it's so interesting to look at. So your research is really looking at how can we have a positive and healthy relationship with exercise and actually use it to improve our body image and our relationship with our body. Yeah, so being able to look at exercise as a way or a tool for us to live as like a whole person. So with people with eating disorders, we look at like, let's solve the relationship with food. And that's great and necessary. We still live in our bodies every single day. So looking at how we respond to exercise and movement and the functionality of our body is also really important. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I love that. A tool to live as a whole person, which... To me, that brings to mind the fun factor of exercise. And I think when you're talking about how people do exercise, like they have to do it a certain way or looking for a certain result or like leads to avoiding exercise, all of those things 
have lost the element of play and fun. Definitely. I, I just have to tell you, I took my boys roller skating yesterday <laughs> and they had so much fun. Like that is something that I would never in my head think of as exercise or I guess previous Jess would have never thought of that as exercise because it's not in a gym setting. Right. It's not accomplishing a certain amount of reps, but looking at my boys trying yesterday, which by the way was hilarious. <laughs> there were no broken bones, so I'm laughing about it today. Had there been bones broken, it'd be a different it'd story. It'd be a different yeah, story, yeah. Definitely. But you know, they just had so much fun and it is movement. And I hate that our culture has stolen that fun factor and made it so that it's like always about accomplishing something. That's so like very um American, isn't it? Like yeah. bigger, more, better. And there's the stigma even behind the word exercise. Like mm-hmm. you talk about exercise and I think there's people that feel comfortable talking about that. And there's other people that maybe freeze up of like, I don't exercise the same way you do. And right. I know the field really emphasizes talking about movement more than exercise. But to me, they're both just words. It's us talking about the same thing. It's removing this message that's underneath it, that it has to be a certain way or it has to be torture. You have to be in the gym and you have to be doing a certain amount of reps in order for it to be exercise. So tell me a little bit about what you have found in your research. Oh, so I found really cool things. I'm very excited about it. Um, So my research was focused on people with eating disorders and looking at interoceptive awareness. So that's the biofeedback that we've been discussing. And it breaks it down into eight different components of interoception. Um, So the assessment that I used is the multidimensional assessment of interoceptive awareness, (laughs) which is a mouthful. But it's really cool because it looks at it as not just this one thing of whether we respond to our body, but the different ways we respond to our body. And my research results showed a relationship between balance and self-regulation, so the ability to manage one's emotions, so engaging in balance activities through movement, helps people to manage their emotions. I also found relationships between stretching and trusting the body, which I thought was really cool because people with eating disorders, that's one of the hallmarks is that they just don't trust their bodies. They don't trust that they didn't gain a certain amount of weight overnight or that their body will know what to do with food that they eat or will not know how to overcome illness. Um, And so just the act of stretching increased the, or was correlated with the feeling of body trust. So that's a huge part oh, for eating amazing. disorder recovery. Okay, so I want to make sure I understood that. The stretching one I got, so you found that people who participated in stretching, it was correlated to an increased trust within the body, yeah. which is huge. And I don't think you have to have an eating disorder no, to not like at all. lack the trust in your body. There's a lot of folks I know that you know, they'll eat something and go, well, I don't know how my body's going to react to it. Like, we don't right. know. Right. But I wonder, that's interesting because when you stretch, you are slowing down. Mm-hmm. You're connecting with your mm-hmm. body. You're actually feeling your body. And yeah, that's super cool. So that was one. And the other one was the balance and emotional regulation. Tell me a little bit more about that one. So working on anything that improves your balance. So if you were working on yoga or you added balance movements into your stretching routine, then people showed a relationship or there was a greater relationship with self-regulation. So the ability to be able to bring your emotions down if they were really getting spiked or to be able to help yourself get up and going in the morning if you're feeling a little bit more depressed. It's just that activity of working on balance 
could help somebody potentially have a greater experience with self-regulation. That's so crazy. I mean, talk about the metaphor in that. Right, right. your balance and finding your balance for sure. Wow, that's really cool. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that I need to stretch and do more yoga, which I don't do a lot of. (laughs) Well, I think that those are components that really do influence those parts of interoceptive Mm -hmm. awareness. And then other Another part of my research looked at the reason people exercise and how that influenced their relationship with movement and influenced interoceptive awareness. And there was a significant difference between people who were exercising for their stated reason of health. They showed that they had a better sense of body listening. So they're able to actually pay attention to like things like we talked about before, if they're hungry or if they're full or if they're tired, but also if they're already hit their mark in their movement, like they need to slow down. They need to pay attention to what their body needs to do for that day rather than pushing themselves to a further limit because that was the stated goal is these people were showing that if they're focusing on health, they're responding to their body with more like intuition. Yeah, more intuition, more sense of awareness of what the body needs rather than being like the mind driving the body. It was more the body driving the mind where the mind gets to kind of take a back seat and let the body do the work and just taking care of itself. So that was a folks reason behind the movement or exercise was health. Yes. What were some of the other reasons behind exercise that people noted? So the next major one that came up was for weight loss. And um, the other ones that I put on there were for enjoyment, so fun, like roller skating with your kids. Um, That was a (laughs) choice, but actually a lot of people didn't indicate that being it. So it was really health and weight loss being the primary, which makes sense, right? That's what our culture focuses on. But the ones who chose weight loss actually showed a significant negative relationship with all different components of interoception. So poor emotional regulation, um, poor attention regulation, not being able to focus. They had more worrying. They had more distracting behaviors. So people who engage in exercise for the reason of weight loss, and again, this is in an eating disorder population, but I think is applicable probably across all kinds of people, they really struggled to find the benefits within their body if their mind was indicating that they needed to do it to lose weight. Oh, yeah. It's a completely different motive. Oh, yeah. I mean, I look now, my intention for exercise is fun. That's one of my core values is fun. Mm -hmm. And my movement is all fun. And it's screwing around in the gym, hanging from bars, swinging from ropes, things like that. (laughs) But Fun and danger. Although I think I would argue that roller skating with my kids was more (laughs) dangerous yesterday. But, you know, I think back to like when it was motivated by weight loss and it was so excruciatingly torturous. Well, there's like this end goal. So you're being driven by something your mind's telling you you need to do rather than paying attention to your body at all which should be the root of why we move and why we exercise totally. is because the body needs it. That's so true. Okay, so what does this mean for people who either have an eating disorder or have struggled with food? So for people with eating disorders, I think this goes more for the providers that are helping them in their treatment. But for the people themselves is to start thinking about how exercise plays a role in their life. So not necessarily a role in their disorder, which is probably a conversation Mm -hmm. to have with their treatment providers, but just how they want to be able to move around the rest of their life, whether they want to be able to exercise and not have it be this thing that's so attached to those 
like emotional roots of their disorder. So good. So looking at the role it plays in their overall life, not just their disorder. I love that. What about folks who haven't struggled with an eating disorder? What does your research or how does it help them? So my research would suggest looking at like all the other research we already have, but this is people who have diagnosed eating disorders. That was one of the qualifying factors. I do think that there's tons of people who have disordered behaviors Mm -hmm. with exercise and food. And so not saying that my research can be applied to all people, but being able to take this to just evaluate for yourself is what am I doing with movement and exercise? What is the reason? How do I feel when I'm done? So if you're one who focuses on weight loss and you know you have an expectation, there's not anything necessarily wrong with that if you need to do it. But when you're negating the body in order to meet that goal, that's when it gets a little bit sticky and you want to look at how you can pay attention to the body so that you do get the overall goal of movement and exercise that you're looking for without winding up with some negative relationship with movement itself. Well, even if the goal is weight loss, I mean, exercise has to be a part of like the long-term life equation. And so even if it's weight loss and you're doing things that make you frustrated or not enjoy it, exercise, you're not setting yourself up to do it for the long haul. Yeah, you don't want to make it a punishment. You don't want to make it something that you hate because the first thing we do with things we hate is get rid of them. Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully, unless there is an issue there that we have to look at. But what we want people to do is to be able to have it be part of their life, not their entire life, just a part of their overall functioning, just like food is, just like drinking water is, just like spending time with people that you care about is, is movement is just another piece of a very big puzzle. I love that. So what do you do for movement? I love to run. Um, a little bit of the self-torture in the sense that I love it so much. I know it takes up a ton of my time. My husband would probably admit that, but I think that there's nothing more enjoyable than just being able to get out and start running, lace up my shoes. It's my favorite thing to do. I love that. Well, there's, yeah, there's no agenda. There's no timeline. There's no, unless you have to get back to your husband. Right, <laughs> right. That. You disappear. <laughs> you get that runner's high and you just kind of stay there and nothing else matters. No, just this is my curiosity. Do you wear a wearable? Like, do you track your, your time, your mileage? Is that something you pay attention to? I wear a watch, but most of the time it's so that um, I am just aware of what time it is. I will be <laughs> honest. I don't necessarily care about my steps. You can see I don't have my watch on now. It's because... It doesn't matter too much Mm -hmm. to me. Um, Really, with running, I have my headphones. I have my phone. If anybody needs me, they kind of know where to find me based on that. So for me, it's not about that. It's about how I feel when I do it and how I feel afterwards. You're in the moment, and it's your space. Definitely. That's so cool. So the main things I'm hearing you say today, Kim, is number one, we have to look at the motive behind our desire to move and the activity that we're choosing to move. And this really comes back to that values-based intentionality behind our health goals. So our motive needs to be general health, not necessarily specifically weight loss. Maybe weight loss is a part of that, but that's not the main driver of what gets us to where wherever we're doing movement. And then number two is integrating some sort of like balance exercise and stretching. Right. And I think even those components for all people, like, you know, you even start a run. It's like you need to stretch before you need to stretch after. There's reasons for that for your body, but it's also allowing yourself to slow down. Mm -hmm. So the reason we move is really important. So 
I always look at it as like our body versus our mind and we need to become more of a whole person where the body helps the mind and the mind helps the body. And so if they're at conflict where your brain is telling you like we need to do this to lose weight but your body is not feeling it, you need to reassess and you need to think about like what do I need to do to make this something that can be a piece of my life rather Mm -hmm. than a piece for this short term. It should be more of a long-term thing of finding something you enjoy doing. I love that so much. Well, even going back to your stretching, it's something we should do and it feels good and it slows us down, but it's not something I naturally do if I'm being totally honest Right. (laughs) because I am, I have fun in my movements and I I definitely enjoy my exercise, but the slowdown piece is harder for me, but I can see where that does increase that mind-body connection to where you stop after your movement, you take a minute, you Mm -hmm. reflect on what you did Mm -hmm. and you actually feel the hard work your body just did and give it some TLC, which (laughs) my needs right now, especially after... We did a lot of cleans this morning, <laughs> and my shoulders are really hurting. So you need to get to that stretching. It also mm-hmm. looks at, like, the mindfulness of it, mm-hmm. right? Is slow yeah. down for a minute. You've just done a ton of work. Your body did something to really help you. It's maybe slowing down, showing it some gratitude, and kind of figuring out how you want that to be a piece of your life. I love that. I love the research you're doing. I love the results that you found. Me too. So glad. <laughs> so cool. I know you called me and told me the other day, I think it was a Friday afternoon. You were like, Jess, so first of all, it's Friday. Happy Friday. Second of all, listen to this. <laughs> it was a great way to start the weekend. Now, this is just your first study. So what's next? Are you going to continue this research? Hopefully. I haven't really decided what the next step would be. I'm really open to just kind of feel this out and see how this goes. And then looking into not just eating disorders, I'm very interested in that, but also just as providers, like as a counselor, how I can help people be able to get in touch with this like whole self perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, that's a priority in all of the work I do. And so I'm very interested in just how people experience that and what it looks like and what it feels like. I love that. Well, anyone who's listening that wants to connect with you, how can they find you? Um, they can send me an email. My email address is kimpainetherapy at gmail.com. Um, and hopefully, Jess, you can link that in there. Um, I'm also accepting clients if anybody wants to do some mental strength training. I do that as well. Um, but even just to pick my brain or maybe share some research interests or questions, I'm happy to just connect in any way. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on here today. I We're going to end this a little early, and I think I'm going to stretch. Actually. Awesome. Good for you. <laughs> Gosh, I'm so glad you joined me today. If today encouraged you, would you take a minute and encourage me by leaving a review for the show? I read every single one of these reviews and your words, they mean so much to me. This podcast is here to support you weekly, but it only scratches the surface. For more info on how you can become an empowered eater, grab my free workshop on how to become confident in your body without obsessing over food at jessbrownrd.com. Don't forget to join me right here next Monday where I cannot wait to fuel your awesome. Cheers, my sweet friend, and happy eating.